I chose to uh, speak about family life. And I chose a difficult text. And I know that um, in general, very rarely, we quote these texts for the Bible reading during the worship service because you have some uh, difficult words inside. And I'm so glad to have a wonderful Bible reading by uh, uh, someone who is uh, with us. Thank you for your reading. It was excellent. Um, but I will choose this from a positive perspective as it is the desire of the Apostle Paul. My message is that we need to be family-oriented church. If we don't support families, then everything will go in the wrong direction. Not only for the church life, but even for the society. It is so obvious. I remember when I was doing my pastoral work in France, it happened that we had a, a series of evangelistic meetings and someone coming from Croatia uh, was very interested with the, the program to stop smoking. And he attended regularly, not only during the five-day plan, but even after, because he wanted to be successful. He knew that it is not good for his health. However, he was never interested with the message of the Bible. His wife was very interested. So when uh, he brought home a flyer about future activities, she saw some interesting conferences and she said, I would like to attend. And she was so glad and uh, she started to come regularly to do the Bible study. And you know, sometimes we do mistakes because people ask a lot of questions. So we give extended answers. The beginning of the meeting was at five o'clock. And so everything could be done until, until 7 p.m. And this lady could be at her home at 7, 7.30. However, we started the discussions, the questions. At 10, at 10.30, we were still talking. And her husband was not very happy. So my wife, myself, and uh, this lady, we were in the car uh, driving her home. And they were living in a building. Two buildings were there. And uh, when we opened the door, the husband was in the yard with so many other people. And he started to use some very harsh words. And he said, what a shame you decided to kidnap my wife. And in front of everybody, <laughs> it was not only himself and ourselves, but it was also um, not a very appropriate speech for people around. And his wife tried to calm him down, but it was not easy because he was angry. He said, look at the hour, 10.30, it's not possible. 
And I was just thinking because he was so close to my face. And I was praying, Lord, help me because I don't know what to do. If I say something or if I don't say, nothing is good. Nothing is good. And uh, he was so upset. He said, you came to destroy our family. I just want to tell you that uh, things went better when uh, he was a little bit uh, at the end of his uh, angry speech. And uh, we were quiet and calm. And uh, his wife said, it's not good that this kind of discussion we have in front of everybody. Would it be good... Uh, honey, that we bring them at home and then we discuss among us. I said, oh, I, this is not the preferred version. I thought that I will just leave and everything will be okay. But somehow uh, they invited us and we came inside of their home. And this is how it happened that it was the first day for one of their child children to have to have uh, um, a new computer desktop and they didn't know what to do so as i was familiar with the uh, computers i it took time but probably one hour and we put everything in place and the child was so glad he was probably 15 years old he was so glad to be able to start to use his computer right away. During that time, the husband of that lady said nothing. He was just watching. And then I said to him, Sir, I'm so sorry for what happens. happened before because this is our fault. We came too late. This is the reality. But I just want to tell you, the Seventh-day Adventist Church exists to help people, to help families. If we don't help families, we will destroy not only the church, we will destroy the society. So we have no intention to do so because we have the same message as Jesus Christ that you can find in the Bible. Whatever the Bible said, says about families, we are trying to practice it. So if we have something to say, it's to help families. And I can promise you, if you say that we have nothing to do with your wife, I'm okay with this because you are part of your family and you need to feel protected yourself. But if in any way we can help for your family to be stronger, we will do always with pleasure. So again, sorry. I don't know how many years after his wife accepted the baptism and he's, she is still member of our church. This is what we know from our recent visit in France. And it helped me at least. I was so afraid. I can say this was not very, a very easy situation. But I understood from this discussion that the church exists to help families. We need to be family-oriented. And this is the message of the text that we just read together.
let me let me share some texts, very important, some quotes. John Piper, one of the known uh, evangelistic uh, specialists even for family, he said, when God engaged to create man and woman and to ordain the union of marriage, he didn't roll the dice or draw straw or flip a coin as to how they might be related to each other. It's not just uh, God in his thinking, let's do this way or this way or this way. He had already a plan. And the text says, he patterned marriage very purposefully after the relationship between his son and the church, which he had planned from all eternity. So it was well in advance. God knew what to do. God knew already that his son will come. God knew also that it is important that families are strong in order to help all members to develop correctly. And so he said, therefore, marriage is a mystery. It contains and conceals a meaning far greater than what we see on the outside. God created man, male and female, and ordained marriage so that the eternal covenant relationship between Christ and his church would be imaged forth in the marriage union. So this is what I would like to underline. It is important for us to know that the family relationship is so fundamental in our broken world. We need to say that God thought what is the best for human beings. And this is why we need to promote strong families. Let me give you a quotation from the book Patriarchs and Prophets, page 46. Man was not made to dwell in solitude. He was to be a social being without companionship the beautiful scenes and delightful employment of Eden would have failed to yield perfect happiness. Even communion with angels could not have satisfied his desire for sympathy and companionship. There was none of the same nature to love and to be loved. God himself gave Adam a companion. This is a gift of God. The woman is the wife is the gift of God. He provided and help meet for him, a helper corresponding to him, one who was fitted to be his companion and who could be one with him in love and sympathy. Eve was created from a rib taken from the side of Adam, signifying that she was not to control him as the head nor to be trampled under his feet as an inferior, but to stand by his side as an equal to be loved and protected by him. Therefore, Ellen White quotes, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one. This is God's project, protection, Unity, peace, 
rests. This is the, these are the words of the Bible. And this is what I said a long time ago in an article. I said, love is the fruit of the Spirit that sustains our most noble values, empowering us to do good and to live a meaningful life. You cannot imagine a strong family life without love. You cannot. And the best place, the best context to help love to increase, to become solid, is the context of the family life. This is our text. And there are some words that we don't like very often. But it is good to mention them because it is in the Bible. Let me start with the first aspect of this text. Do not rebuke, but exhort. This is not just a, a modern way of thinking. We need to be positive. Very often we say, oh, for example, Prophet Jeremiah, he was criticizing, criticizing, criticizing. But if you read very carefully you will understand that his message was very positive. When you read his book, his entire book, you will understand God's love. You will understand God's love. Um, the sister who presented the Sabbath school uh, mentioned the, the book of Lamentations, chapter 3. Beautiful text. In the middle of the suffering, in the middle of despair, there is always the possibility for all of us to hope. Because when God is with us, we have nothing to fear. And this is the message. When you look at the message of prophets, you will understand that globally speaking, if I have another opportunity to talk about the message of prophets, I will tell you this. But globally speaking, the message of prophets is positive. If you study education, as I had the opportunity to do in the past, you will understand that when you have more critics than positive things, your message is not received at all. This is how it happens. I am quoting a text from Ellen White. Sabbath school uh, testimonies on Sabbath school work. She said, talking to the superintendents of the Sabbath school, she said, superintendent, never, you understand the word never? So which means never scold nor complain before your teachers or scholars. If you wish to influence the school for good, put away the whip and exert a heaven-inspiring influence which will carry the minds of all with you. In making plans and regulation for the school, let them represent as nearly as possible the voice of the school. In some school, there, schools, there is a sharp, critical spirit. Much is made of forms and rules, while the weightier matter Mercy and the love of God are neglected. Let all be cheerful. If any have clouds encompassing their souls, let them work out into the sunlight before they enter the Sabbath school. 
A mother, listen very carefully, a mother who is constantly relating her discouragements and complaining to her children of their lack of appreciation cannot have proper control of them. This is how it happens. Am I telling that we don't need critics? I am not telling this. It's not possible to have exclusively the positive speech. By the way, Ten Commandments are ten things that we, ten things that we have no right to do. Which means that the positive thing of love, love your God with all your heart, you know, and your neighbor as yourself has, have the, has the other part. You have no right to do so. If really you want to love, you have things to avoid. Ten commandments are in fact a protection. God indicates to us that we have a territory for himself, the territory of love. When we go to the other side, for example, we start to lie, we start to commit adultery or whatever, then we cannot be protected. And this is the message. So it is necessary when we speak on behalf of God to Say positively what we think. At the same time, to say also, be careful. Because there is a wrong road. You have the narrow road. At the same time, there is a danger. We are in a world where there is a war between good and evil. And this is the reality. But at the same time, if we are just constantly relating about our discouragement, we lose authority. We need to be positive, explaining who God is, what is his project for our life. And when we explain positively, then people will understand. They can relate to something. If we are just criticizing then we will lose authority as it is the case for this mother who is constantly complaining to her children that they are not appreciating her role of mother. At the end, she will lose her own authority. I remember that I was in a class and um, the professor said, right now, we will record on video everything that you are doing. Don't forget the main idea. At least two-thirds of positive things and maximum one-third of negative things. And you know when you watch yourself on video, <laughs> it's not perfect at all. But I would say when you are with God, you will understand that his love is wonderful. And then you will understand immediately, because you know the world around you, that it is important that other things are mentioned too, but with the spirit of love. This is what we can find here. And I would like to suggest to you, this is the first aspect of what we said. The first aspect is our families should be 
in a context of positive thinking. It is necessary to have protection. It is necessary to say, be careful, don't go in this direction. If the family is not telling this, who will tell? But globally speaking, when we give everything in God's hand, we will always stay positive, as the Apostle Paul said in this text. Look at what Mark Twain said. I like this quotation. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. <laughs> you see that somehow, by growing, we are changing. We don't like at all age, how to say, in all circumstances, our family. Nobody can choose the family. We don't choose the family. This is how it happened. We come to the world. But the family will always stay as a reference. Even though we are changing our opinion, at the end, there is nothing more solid than the family. And this family life, these family values have to be promoted because the Bible and even Ellen White says, they say, they say very clearly, the family is what God prepared for human beings. This is the best. You cannot be prosperous without solid families. The, third, the second aspect, the family relationship is a metaphor for the church relationship. The text says, exhort an older man as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters. Which means we will behave in the church thinking about the spirit of family. As we do in our families, we will do in the church. Which means that we will be very careful how we communicate to each other. Because everybody is precious. We cannot destroy people. The church is to protect people. The church is to, pro I will be almost provocative. The church is to pro protect people, especially the sinners. You understand my point? Because we are all sinners. We are all sinners. And we need the church as a family, as God imagined it, in order to help us to grow. And this is why he said, exhort an older man. Don't rebuke him, but consider him as a father and younger men as brothers. This is our family. We cannot continue to live without one another. We need everybody. And this is the spirit of the church. This is the same spirit within the families. 
when we talk about our families, we need to talk about this exhortation. Let me suggest a quotation of Ellen White, second uh, volume of testimonies. She says, Encourage love in the hearts of your children. Present before them high and correct motives for self-restraint. Do not give them the impression that they must submit to control because it is your arbitrary will, because they are weak and you are strong, because you are the father, they are the children. If you wish to ruin your family, continue to govern by brute force and you will surely succeed. You understand? It's very clear. We don't use strengths to promote love. We use love to promote love. This is how it happens. So if we want to destroy family, it's very easy. What you build for 10, 20, 30 years can be destroyed in, in one minute, in 10 seconds. Just you say something, it's done. You destroy everything. But the true vision for our families is to exhort each other. And to be stronger. To understand that the prosperity, the growth of the family depends on the true values behind. Which means the, the values coming from heaven. The heavenly family. She says some very harsh words. You need to be refined by the influences of the Spirit of God. You need a thorough conversion. Then you can work from the right standpoint. You need to let love into your soul and permit it to occupy the place of self-dignity. Self must die. She is talking to uh, a husband. Look what is her advice. Your wife needs tenderness and love. The Lord loves her. She is much nearer the kingdom of heaven than you. But she is dying by inches. And you are the one who is slowly taking her life. You can make her life happy if you will. Let me tell you. If we want to preach the gospel. To work accordingly to the great commission. Go. You know the, the, the text of Matthew 28. The first thing is we need to start with our families. It is not possible that we are just preaching the gospel to someone else that we don't know. And those who are listening, they live hell. This is not preaching the gospel. The true message of the gospel is transforming first our families. And then when our families are full of heavenly love, then it will be normal. It will be appropriate that we try to share this love to others. So basically, the true point of view is we need to do our families strong. Then we will be able to do also our churches strong according to God's will. The third aspect, the necessary values for healthy families. There are a lot of them. 
But here in these texts, we have with all purity. How fantastic it is. Let me quote a text that also I like. Purity and simplicity are the two wings with which man soars above the earth and all temporary nature. Simplicity is in the intention, purity in the affection. Simplicity turns to God, purity unites with and enjoys him. You cannot enjoy the presence of God without a pure heart. Do you agree with me? This is very easy to understand. Even Jesus said, blessed are those, do you know the text? Who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. I remember when I was young, I was a choir director, and we had a music camp for the youth. And one, uh, one uh, summer, we were invited to sing in a Catholic church. And uh, some people were reluctant to accept, uh, to accept uh, the Seventh-day Adventist Youth Choir to sing in a big Catholic church. At the end, uh, even the, the priest was reluctant. And he came, and he was listening until the end. And um, not the last song, but the next to the last song was Soon and Very Soon. You know this, the, the song. We shall see the king. And he was so impressed. At the end, when we finished with the last song, Alleluia, he stood up and he said, Children, because we were 13 to 17 years old, 60 and something, almost 70 young people singing. And they were singing very well. He said, Children, I am so glad to be part of this concert. And I didn't know at the beginning what to think. And I was watching you. And I was listening to your message. And when you came to the next to the last song. And you said. Soon and very soon we shall going to see the king. I was so impressed. And I was looking at you and I said. Thank you Lord for giving us the opportunity to hear this message. And I can confirm you, this is my conviction. You shall see the king. Amen. I was so impressed. And this is what will happen with those who are pure in heart. This is what we know. This is the biblical message. Everything within the church activities and everything within family activities should be in an atmosphere fear of purity if we want to see the king and this is why I say purity is essential it helps us to be transparent imagine I'm just telling imagine a nominating process election process within the church without purity this is a hell (laughs) it is complicated This is not according to God's will. But imagine the same process with purity. 
This is fantastic. We are just trying to understand during the nominating process what is God's plan for each and every one. And then it is much easier because we don't have our human calculation. We are just building God's kingdom because we are doing with things coming from the Lord. Another text about purity. Purity is not just the way we act, but it is our entire heart. It is our thoughts, words, and deeds that show our true, true heart's intent. Purity is part of the new man that we put on when we become a Christian. Putting off old habits that are not edifying to God should be the desire of every Christian heart. When your heart is filled with impure thoughts, you need to be spending more time in God's word so that his words will be hidden in your heart so that you will not sin against him. She gives already the solution. If we feel that our heart is not pure, there is no a better way than to open God's word and to pray and to be in strong connection with heaven in order to be pure in heart. And this is possible for us and for our families. The second, the, the, the fourth value, very important, is honor. Honoring the members of our families. The text says something that we don't like always. Honor wind, widows who are really widows. It means that at that time, not only today, but also 2,000 years ago, some came to the church without really being Christians. They came for bread and fish and not necessarily for the message of the gospel. And he said, honor widows who are really widows. Let me develop a little bit this text. The same word, honor, will be found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. When I studied the Old Testament in Strasbourg, we asked so many sometimes difficult questions to the rabbis, because I had uh, for four years four rabbis, which means one rabbi every year who gave us some explanations regarding their understanding of the Old Testament. And one of my questions was, could you please explain to us what is the meaning of honor your father and mother? And he said, in our Jewish thinking, when we say honor your father and mother, it means that every Jewish child should learn that he has Three fathers and four mothers. As I said, this is a surprise, a bizarre answer. <laughs> and I said, could you please explain a little bit more? And he said, God presented himself as God of Abraham, Jake, uh, Isaac, and Jacob. Three and then we had four mothers, which means we had, we had Sarah, we had Rebecca, 
we had Rachel and we had Leah. So four of them. So three fathers and four mothers. In addition to our parents. Which means when you say in a Hebrew father and mother, it includes your fathers, but includes all those who came before. So which means grandmothers, grandfathers, grand grand, you know, everything behind. So when we come to the Lord and we say honor, all members of your family will receive honor. It means your uncle, your, I don't know, nephew, every member of your family will receive honor. Family cannot exist without honor. If we put someone down within the family, we are destroying family. I remember someone who lost one of his four sons who committed suicide in a very tragic situation. He uh, put himself in front of a train and I remember one of my good friends, his brother, had to come to recognize not the body but the rest of the of the body. And this was a very difficult situation. And when everything was done, I talked to the father who lost his son and he said to me, Yeah, I'm I'm overwhelmed with suffering but also I have to tell you I am overwhelmed with thanksgiving to God because I didn't understand well but wedding ceremonies in our family have divided us and funeral services have united us and I said wow this is incredible. I never thought from this perspective. And I can say that yes, we need to, go, to give full respect and honor to every member of our family. So I would like to say, tell you, don't work against the members of your family. <laughs> don't work. Don't publish. This is not God's plan. It doesn't mean that you will hide the reality. But at the same time, they need to feel protected within the family. Another text from a church father, Ambrose, who said it in the 4th century. A good youth ought to have a fear of God, to be subject to his parents, to give honor to his elders, to preserve his purity... He ought not to despise humility, but should love, forbearance, and modesty. All these are an ornament to youthful years. He was commenting 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. And I found that he is right. Exactly how we understand. You remember Mark Twain who said when he was 14 years old... He understood his father as someone who is an old guy who, un who understood nothing. <laughs> this is how it happens. In some um, uh, steps of our life, we are not very kind to each other. 
But we need to learn. And this is why the Bible is given to us. In order to maintain the solidity of our families. Socrates, a very known Greek philosopher, said. The greatest way to live with honor in this world is to be what we pretend to be. Not to play. You know, Sabbath day, we are all with a tie, with a suit, everything is perfect, smile. And then you come home, this is another story. But this is not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel. Be who you are, but be holy, be pure, be a loving person. This is what God needs for all of us. In the time of the Apostle Paul, a true widow was an individual without protection. And I would like to share this today because he said, honor those who are really widows. Because some of them in the church came just to receive help. At that time, we didn't, they didn't have social security system. The only system was for the church to help others, families in difficulties. But I would like just to share with you a story from Persia. Very interesting story. Um, a wise man who had the ten children was asked a day in front of the entire population of his small town they asked him so many questions. And one of the questions was, who is your preferred child? You know, this is a tricky question. If you have 10 children and you say, this is my preferred child, then you will, you will create uh, family problems. You remember Jacob and his children. <laughs> you remember Joseph and the wonderful... <laughs> Everything, give that he gave to his preferred son. What was the answer of the wise man from Persia? He said, my preferred child is he who is sick until he is healed. He who is sad until he is joyful. He who is angry until he is peaceful. He who is lonely until he feels friendship and so on. And this is what we need to understand. We will adapt our answer to every particular case. Whoever is suffering, we will do the best to help him. I need to go quickly because there are so many things to say. And then the text continues of the Apostle Paul. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents for this is good and acceptable before God. I remember that I visited a very wealthy nursing home in Chicago when I worked there. The name of the nursing home was Greek American Nursing Home. Only for wealthy people. You had to be qualified to be part there. It is a luxury everywhere inside. It was very interesting when I came there to visit one of our sisters from the church. Um, 
I came about three o'clock in the afternoon and they had a birthday party. One month after, I came again in the afternoon and they had again a birthday party. And after five, six times, when I came in the afternoon, it was always birthday party. So I asked the nurse, what is you're celebrating regularly? And she said, this is our system. We talked to the families and we understood that old people, they were all 80 years or uh, above. And they had some problems with memories. So, and they liked birthday parties. So they were celebrating every month a birthday for each one of them. So when you have, uh, let's say, 82 years, then you will celebrate 12 times your 82 years. <laughs> and then you are celebrating the next year 12 times your 83 years. It was very interesting. And so I was sitting during one of their birthday parties. I was sitting uh, just beside our sister. And on my right side, another lady came and she said, Sir, I want to congratulate you because you came to visit your mother. And I said, no, this is not my mother. I'm her pastor. She's a member of my church. I said, even more, thank you for coming to visit a member of your church. And uh, how are you? And, every, and she started. And she said, you know, I'm a nobody. And this was my surprise to discover her suffering. She had four children. They were so wealthy. She was a big boss in a big company with a lot of money. And even she said, I don't know how much I have because I have a lot of money, but I don't exist for them. And I tr saw through this suffering how important it is for all members of our family to be respected even when they are very far or they are sick or they are in an age that we don't know how to communicate with them. They are all members of our families. Noam Chomsky, I pronounce in a <laughs> uh, um, European way, said social security is based on a principle. It is based on the principle that you care about other people. You care whether the widow across town, a disabled widow, is going to be able to have food to eat. And this is behind the story. And I would say that every fami family, this is the biblical statement, every family should live in solidarity. Every member of the family should know that the first individuals that will help her are members of their own family. Emily Dickinson said, a very known poet in the U.S., said, I'm nobody. Who are you? Are you nobody too? Then there is a pair of us. Don't tell. 
they would advertise, you know. This is the beginning of her, her poem. And so many times we see people who consider themselves as nobody. And this is part of our job description to help them to understand that through Jesus Christ, they are someone important. That even Jesus was ready to die only for themselves. Prayer. This is another message of this text. The real widow trusts in God and continues in supplication and prayers day and night. The personal relationship with God is really essential. Whatever your situation is, don't forget to pray. The family without prayer is not really a strong family. And we need to preserve this time. The right hand of uh, Martin Luther, Philip Melanchthon, from Germany, you know, at that time, in the 16th century, he said, Trouble and perplexity drive me to prayer, and prayer drives away perplexity and trouble. This is how it happens. And we understand that alone we are not strong, and we need the spirit of prayer within our family if we want to be strong. The text continues, living in pleasure is not living, it is dying. I explained the text from 1 Timothy chapter 5. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. This is true for widows, this is true for young people, this is true for old people, for everybody. To live for pleasure is to live a meaningless life. This is so obvious. Ravi, I don't know how to call it, Zachariah, said, Pleasure without God, without the sacred boundaries, will actually leave you emptier than before. And this is biblical truth. This is experiential truth. The loneliness people in the world are amongst the wealthiest and most famous who found no boundaries within which to live. That is a fact I've seen again and again. And this is so true. When you read um, uh, someone from Austria, Viktor Frankl, who wrote uh, a lot of books, but uh, his book, Many in Search of Meaning, is very known. He spent uh, uh, some time in Auschwitz. And uh, he wrote about his experience. He was a physician and also specialized in psychiatry. And uh, a lot, he helped a lot of people to survive in Auschwitz. When they left Auschwitz, when everything was over, so many people came to him from Auschwitz and they said, Doctor, I have no desire to continue to live. I would like to die. I would like to die. And he was listening one after another, always listening, listening, listening. At the end, he became angry. And he said to all of them, tell me, you could commit suicide in Auschwitz. This was the best time. You could do so. Why did you wait to come to my office and to tell me that you want to die? 
You could do it before. Why right now? You have everything. You have money. You have all things that you want. And you say, I have no meaning in my life. And he said something very strong. Human beings are able to deal with suffering. They are not able to deal with pleasures. You understand the point. We are well equipped. When we are in difficult situation, we just brace for impact. And we try to survive, to survive, to survive. And when you press someone, when you have, when you think about military people who are heroes, you can understand that in a difficult situation, they have some potential that we don't see in a regular life. They can do incredible things. This is why it, this is how it happens when we live our life. We are, let me say, we are strong when we are suffering. But when we have one pleasure after another, after another, after another, we have a hard time. And this is what is important for us to understand. And the last aspect, the conclusion. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I just want to tell you that the beginning of our Christian life is in our private life. This is where we are strong. If we fail in our private life, it's not necessary for us to look for success in public life. Because something will be wrong. We need the success. We need to take care of our own. We need our own family. We need to live in such a way that our families are strong and then our churches will be strong and then the society will be strong. Family is not an important thing. It is everything. Someone else said, home is people, not a place. If you go back there after the people are gone, then all you can see is what is not there anymore. I had the opportunity to visit Normandy. My wife and me, we spent three years in Normandy. And this was a wonderful experience. But when you come after with new people living in your house, and you say, I came just to show to my son where he spent some years of his life, it's totally different. This is not the same story because the family is people. Yes, if we have a good house, it is a bonus. But the true family is more about people. Let me read Ellen White. This is my message to you. The first page of Adventist Home. The well-being of society, the success of the church, the prosperity of the nation depend upon home influences. The elevation of or deterioration of the future of society will be determined by the manners and morals of the youth growing us 
growing up around us. As the youth are educated and as their characters are molded in their childhood to virtuous habits, self-control and temperance, so will their influence be upon society. Don't forget this. Invest in your families. And I would like to say, may the church help us to invest in our families. The church has all interest to help uh, its members to be good members of their own family. This is why the Sabbath exists also. And this is why when we preach the gospel, we should include our families. And she says something more, the same page. Home should be made all that the word implies. It should be a little heaven upon earth. My friends, I give you the homework. <laughs> Just do everything that your family, your home, is like a little heaven upon earth. And the last thing, it implies that when you want to build a new home, you need to think very seriously. Please, if you are in this situation, pray more. Twice as you prayed regularly. <laughs> this is so important. The choice of your new family, of your spouse, will be essential. And I like this text. This is just for your thinking. He does not want a girl who trifles with Christianity. He wants a woman who is radically given to Christ. A young man. He does not want a girl who prays lukewarm prayers. He wants a woman who lives in defiance of the powers of hell. He does not want a girl who is self-adorning with the latest fashions and trends. He wants a woman who is adorned with the inner jewelry of Christ-given holiness. He does not want a girl who dishonors and belittles his, her parents. He wants a woman who honors the authority God has placed in her life and serves them with charity and gladness. He does not want a girl whose Bible is an accessory to her wardrobe. He wants a woman whose hunger and thirst is to know the Lord and who diligently feasts upon his word. He does not want a girl whose tongue is a deceptive weapon of selfishness. He wants a woman whose words drip from the honey of the name of Jesus. So if you want a good home, think, pray, and act only with the permission coming from God himself. When you invest, it will be a blessing. Thank you for your patience. And may, may our attitude of uplifting our families be um, in harmony with who we are. If we don't take care of our families, we are denying the faith. And I am sure that we will do everything in, or, in order to honor God through 
the life of our families. May God bless you. Amen.